You are listening to audio from Creekside Community Church. If you'd like to learn more about Creekside, find out about our services and upcoming events, or listen to other sermons, please visit creeksidecommunity.org. Oh, good morning. Morning. Uh, my name's Kyle Driggers. As John said, I'm one of the elders here at Creekside, and I'm really excited that we get to continue um, talking about the School of Faith and talking about Hebrews 11 today. Um, the pastor, Charles Spurgeon, tells a story about a carrot and a horse. A long time ago, there was this kingdom with a wonderful king, and there was this farmer, and this farmer had worked his whole life. He was a hardworking farmer, and this one time, he grew this amazing carrot. This carrot was huge. It was bigger than he'd ever, anything he'd ever done. It was the largest, the best carrot he'd ever made. And he said, you know, I could keep this for myself, but I want this carrot to be a gift to my king. So he put the carrot in a wheelbarrow, and he, the, and he toted it all the way to the palace. And when he got there, he, he was trying to unload it, and the guard stopped him. What are you doing? I don't, I don't understand what's happening. And the king heard this, and he went out, and he saw the king, and he got down on one knee. And he said, my king, this is the greatest carrot I have ever raised, and the greatest carrot I will ever raise. And I wanted to present this to you as a gift. And, and as he's struggling to get it out of the wheelbarrow, the, the king nodded. And then he said, wait a second. And the king said, I've just come into some lands and some fields. And I'm looking for someone that I can give these to. Can I give these lands and these fields to you? And of, uh, of course, the farmer is humbled and he's amazed. And he takes his wheelbarrow and he goes home. But there's a nobleman who sees this. And the nobleman goes, if that's what you get for a carrot, wonder what I could get. And he shows up the next day with this huge stallion. And he walks, into the, he walks right into the throne room. And he says, my king, this is the greatest stallion I've ever raised, the greatest stallion I will ever raise. And I wanted to present it to you as a gift. And the king, of course, said, thank you. And he just stood there. And the king said, is there something else I can help you with? You seem like you have something on your mind. And the guy said, I mean, he gave you a carrot, and you gave him land, and I, uh, you know, he couldn't even finish the sentence. And the king said, yes, but he gave the carrot to me. You gave the horse to yourself. And I think sometimes the exact same action can have very different motivations, can't it? And that's what we're going to talk about today as we talk about Hebrews 11 and the faith of Abel and the faith of Cain. So let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, that we can understand more about who you are and who we are. And today I ask that you would illuminate your word. As we read your word to us, I pray we would understand what it looks like to offer our lives uh, to you in sacrifice by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go to the, the first slide there. Awesome, thanks. Hebrews 11, 4 is a very, very short story. It's one verse about the life of Abel. It says this, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. You can go to the next slide. There are three things that we're going to look at um, the, in, this, the, in the story of Abel's life. The reason for sacrifice, the risk of sacrifice, 
and the reward of sacrifice. So as we look in Hebrews 11, like John was telling us a couple weeks ago, each one of these stories in Hebrews 11 gives us a little bit different of a picture of what it looks like to live by faith. You can imagine it's like looking at a diamond. You see it from one perspective and you go, oh, oh, I see what's going on there. And then you turn it just a little bit and you go, oh, wait, there's more to that. And as we look at Hebrews 11, it gives us picture after picture of what it looks like to live by faith. But Hebrews 11 was written to extremely pious people. It was not written to people who had never heard of God, never wanted to follow God. Quite the contrary. It was written to people who were really good at following God. They were extremely pious. They had lived lives of excellence, never wanting to do anything to dishonor God. And these people then heard the gospel message and they placed their faith in Christ. And they said, what it looks to be right with God is not all of my actions, but it's instead the faith in his sacrifice that he has made for me. And that was going well until they kind of looked around and they noticed that they were out of step with the culture a little bit. You see, everybody else was doing all these external actions, and they were kind of halfway across this bridge. Do I go back to doing all these actions, or do I move forward in trusting in Christ for my sacrifice? And that's where we are as we start here in Hebrews 11. And the author of Hebrews says this to them. You can go to the next slide. He, as he's encouraging them to press on in their faith in Christ, he does the same thing that we do. He tells stories, right? When someone in your family or one of your friends is discouraged, what do we do? We tell stories to encourage each other. And he says this, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Don't, we are not of those who shrink back. We are those who have faith and preserve our souls. So he tells one after another after another stories of what it looks like to live by faith. So in these stories, what is the unique thing that it's trying to tell us about faith here in Hebrews 11.4? And here in Hebrews 11.4, let's look at just the first part of this verse. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I know a little bit about Cain and Abel, basically their names, Cain and Abel. But, but the whole story, it's like, what's going on with these two people, Cain and Abel? Because here it just gives us this one little sliver, by faith offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. So you kind of have to click the hyperlink in your Bible, right? You've got to hit that and go all the way back to Genesis 4 to see the rest of the story. So let's see the rest of the story in Genesis 4 and learn more about these characters, Cain and Abel. Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought to the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel, and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. You can leave that up there for just a second. So, so if we want to understand who Cain and Abel are, what can we see here from this scripture? Well, the first thing we see is that Adam and Eve had two sons, an older brother, Cain, and a younger brother, Abel. 
And these two brothers had very different jobs, right? One of them was a keeper of the sheep, the keeper of the flock, and the other the, was the raising fruits and vegetables, a person of the field. And at first glance, you say, okay, there's two brothers, two different areas of expertise. The, so, and, and then over the course of time, these two brothers with these two different areas of expertise offered a sacrifice to God. Now, it's easy to see this and to think, okay, was this out of obedience because of the, the law of Moses? They were supposed to offer these sacrifices. But wait, this was hundreds of years before Moses ever offered that law. So this was just their kind of good idea, right? They said, we want to offer a sacrifice to God. And this story that would have been very familiar to the people in Hebrew, the, the people that were reading the book of Hebrews, they heard this story and it's kind of tempting for us to look and go, but what is it about Cain's sacrifice that was not acceptable? And as it says here, the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. So what was it about Abel's offering? Was it because he was the, Abel was the younger brother instead of the older brother? Is it because it was something from the field instead of fruits and vegetables? What was it that was different about the sacrifice? And believe me, if you want to go on a wild goose chase, that there are plenty of commentaries that have been written about this and lots of ink that has been spilled. But the short answer is, we don't know. We don't know on the outside what is the difference in these two sacrifices. And in Scripture, when we don't know something, we usually don't know for a reason. And that's because it's not about what's on the outside at all. You see, that's exactly what the Hebrews were looking for, is what am I supposed to do? Just tell me what I'm supposed to do. And if we're honest, that's how all of us feel often about our relationships with God, right? Just tell me what I'm supposed to do. I'll do the thing. Just tell me the thing, right? And that's exactly what Cain was thinking. He wanted to know, what's the thing? What's the thing that I'm supposed to do here? But there wasn't anything different on the outside, which tells us there must have been something very different on the inside. So what is a sacrifice? Sacrifice is defined as this, an act of giving up something valued for the sake of something else regarded as more important or worthy. An act of giving up something valued for the sake of something else regarded as more important or worthy. And as we hear sacrifice, that might seem kind of foreign to us as first, but if you think about it, we sacrifice all the time. This is something that we are all very good at. Raise your hand if you have ever set your alarm because you needed to, to wake up for something. Just raise your hand. I want to make sure. I'm the, have you ever had to set your alarm? Of course, right? All of us. We've sacrificed sleep to get up for class on time if you're a student or to get up for work on time if you're working, right? That we sacrifice all the time. Okay, now let's try again. Raise your hand if you've ever said, I shouldn't buy that right now. Has anybody ever said, I shouldn't? But yes, of course, we sacrifice that momentary thing that we want because long-term we go, that's not a wise financial decision. All right, one more. Raise your hand if you've ever thought to yourself, you know, I, I probably shouldn't eat that right now. Raise your, okay, yes, all right. You, so in each of those, we're making a transaction. It's like we've got this mental list, right? And we go, okay, I, I want to set my alarm because I want to sacrifice a little bit of sleep for having a job or a grade in my class, Right? Or the other calculus, right? I want to sacrifice a little bit of money now for having money later. Or I want to sacrifice, you know, donuts for, the, for a little bit. Nobody wants to sacrifice donuts. That's something, broccoli. I want to sacrifice broccoli for being healthy later, right? 
And, and you see, when it comes to, to Abel, Abel goes, you know, as I'm making my list of things that I want to sacrifice for, when it comes to God, I, I would sacrifice anything for God. I would sacrifice my livelihood. I would sacrifice my job. I would sacrifice my food for God. And he's saying, God, when it comes to you, there's nothing that's not on my list. And so a question for us, what is off of our list? What's something that you say, God, I will give you anything? And he says, what about that? And you go, anything else? (laughs) What is off of our list? What are good things in our lives that we are tempted to hold on to tighter than God? Because we all have those things, don't we? And as we're setting our priority list, we say, God, I will sacrifice anything for you. But the problem with just this is that we go, wait a second. I mean, Cain, let's be fair, Cain offered food too, right? So that's not the whole answer. So what is it? Well, even though Cain offered food, Hebrews tells us that Abel made a sacrifice by faith. So what does it mean to make a sacrifice by faith? What does that word faith even mean? I'll tell you this. I, looking for inspiration, I went to a very reliable source, YouTube. Uh, and on YouTube, you can find a list of all the songs that have been written by, with faith in the title. And incredible theologians like Bon Jovi, Michael Jackson, Billy Joel, George Michael, Stevie Wonder, Dolly Parton. The, sorry, anybody under 30 is like, I literally don't understand any words you just said. I'll help you out too. Limp Biscuit, Ariana Grande, The Weeknd, all of them. So what I'm saying is you have to go to page three of songs about faith before you even find one that mentions the word God. Now, why is that? Because in our culture, we're very comfortable with the idea of faith, right? What is faith? You know, it's like positivity. It's this emotion. It's like warm, fuzzy. It's like, you know, half full, right? That's faith. No, that's not faith. That makes great songs, by the way. I'd endorse most of those songs, right? They, including Dolly Parton's. But, the, but, but that's not what faith is. In the Bible, when it talks about faith, it's one word, trust. Faith is simply trust. Do I trust God or do I trust myself? And here at the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis 4, you have two of the oldest religions that have ever existed. Trust in God and trust in self. And and when you look at these two different people, we can't tell the difference on the outside, but on the inside, God can tell the difference in this life lived out by trust in him and this life lived out in trust of self. When I think of a life lived out by faith, A person saying, not just what positive emotion do I have, but what does my faith look like in action? I think of my mom. My mom, Judy, the Driggers is here with us this morning. I'm so excited. She's in from out of town. I think I terrified her by just mentioning her name. But But she has lived a life by faith. And one, just one small example I think of with that is a few years ago when her and my dad retired. They retired and they bought a lake house in a small community. And, the, and when they bought this lake house, they were retiring. This is their golden years, right? This is the time they get to do whatever they want. Travel around the world, uh, get a yacht, do all of these different things. And as they were down there, they moved to this new community. She was in a Bible study with her friends. And they were studying what it looks like to live by faith. And, and I remember she was telling me, she goes, Kyle, we said what it looks like to live by faith. By faith is living by action. 
what are things in our community that we're called to do? And there in their community, there were, there were homeless women and children that had nowhere to go. And so she and this little group of Bible, this Bible study group of women said, what if we start a shelter? And they were uniquely qualified because none of them have ever done anything like this before. But they said, if, if we're trusting not in ourselves, but in God, let's do this thing. And so they walked around, they, they went to the local county fair with a sign and said, hey, we want to start this. And other people said, well, I, I don't have much, but I can donate land. Well, I don't have much, but I'm a builder. I could help build something. Well, I don't have much, but I could help start a, a, a place that we could uh, do a resale shop. And little by little, a couple years ago, Nani's Place Shelter came to be. And was what was once was just faith was now lived out in action. And so the reason for sacrifice has to be this faith that is the, it is, the reason for sacrifice is not trying to earn something from God, but it is trust in God. And that happens for each one of us, right? Because we're not all called to start a shelter, but we all have a million little things in our lives that we're called to do by faith. What's something in your life that you, what choices are you making in your life by faith? Are, there, are, are, are you dating? And right now you're at that age where you go, you know, what does it look like for me to choose somebody that I want to be with? And you go, I have to make some hard choices and nothing in me wants to do this. The only reason I would obey God in this way is if it's, I'm trusting in him, not myself. Because I've been there. What is something in your workplace that you go, you know, I want to sacrifice everything on the altar of work but if I'm trusting God, I need time for Sabbath. And, and I'm going to choose to follow God, not what I want. What are things in relationships with friends where there are hard issues you don't want to address, things you don't want to talk about, but you say, if I'm a follower of Christ, God's calling me to do this thing by faith. And you go, God, I, if it's just me, I'm going to crash and burn, but I'm trusting in you alone. And we're living out of trust. Because not only is there a reason for faith, but there's a risk of faith as well. And we see that here in the next part of Hebrews 11.4. It says this, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. And then it goes on to say, Through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. What does that word commending mean? In the original language, it means this. God bore witness or testified. It's like God is in the witness stand and God is testifying, saying, I testify that Abel has true faith in me and I accept his sacrifice. So what, why did God, again, accept Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's? You know, we can see a lot by how people respond when things don't go the way they would like. And we see that here in Genesis 4 as well. In Genesis 4, after Abel and Cain both offered the sacrifice, it says this, And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. Remember that. He was angry. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel 
and killed him. When, when God said, when God did not accept Cain's sacrifice, how did Cain respond? Well, he could have responded by saying, God, search my heart. If there's anything in me that's not pleasing to you, Lord, reveal it. And he could have repented. God, forgive me for doing this, for, not for the right reasons. God, forgive me. Is that how he responded? No. He responded with what? With anger. Anger is a sign of blocked goals. Maybe some of you have heard that phrase before. What were his goals? Well, often the, there's a temptation to do things either to sacrifice for other people because we want something from others or to sacrifice because we want something from God. So let's look at the first one, Re, uh, sacrificing to get something from others. Now, you know who understands this really, really well? Car companies. Car companies understand that a lot of what we do is not for ourselves, it's actually for others. You know, if you ever watched a car ad, I feel like they're everywhere. You can't escape them, right? We all were like, no more cable, go to Netflix, right? Then we don't have to watch car ads, but sometimes they still find you, right? They, they, they hunt you down online. They hunt you down no matter where you are, and you see these car ads everywhere. And you see this gorgeous BMW, this luxurious car, rolling through the hills, and a smiling person driving it. And you go, I want to be like that person. And, the, and you see it, and, and then reality is we're all like sitting in traffic on the 580, right? Like no one's driving through hills. But we go, but at least when people see me, they'll think I'm the kind of person who would drive through hills in my BMW, right? When I, when I pull up to Starbucks, they'll go, he's a person who drives through hills in his BMW. And I know what you're all thinking right now. You're like, Kyle, I'm not that kind of person. I'm not that. I don't do it for those reasons. I bought a car that's environmentally responsible because I want people to see me as environmentally responsible. No, oh no, you can't get away from it. You go, Kyle, I can't afford either of those people. Man, I'm not like that. You go, I'm just the kind of guy, who, or I'm just the kind of girl who drives something that's just you know, affordable and reliable because I want people to see me as the kind of person who drives something affordable and reliable, not like those other persons. We're stuck, right? That's all of us, right? All of us are constantly doing things for, because we want other people to perceive us a certain way. And there's a question related to that. What, what are things that we do? You can go to the next slide there. The, not quite, the, yeah, there we go. What are we doing because we want to be seen by others? And Matthew 6 addresses that, if you go back to that last slide there. Thanks. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Right? That, that this is all of us, right? It's so tempting. You go, I could do this thing, or I could do this thing, and post about it online, right? I could do this thing and drop hints about doing this thing in conversation with people, right? Because we know what's going to earn esteem from others. But it's not just temptation to earn things from others. It's a temptation to earn things from God. And this is something that we often call now the prosperity gospel. And it's something maybe Cain was doing it for his brother, or maybe Cain was doing it for what he thought he could earn from God. And that's what he was really angry about. You see, he said, God, I'm giving you all this. God, look at my horse. What are you going to give to me? 
And it's tempting for all of us to let this kind of thinking creep into our lives. How do we know? Well, if we've ever had that thought, why do bad things happen to good people? We've had this thinking, right? Because whenever we have that thought, who's the good people? It's us, right? We never say, how do good things happen to bad people like me? I'm, I'm bad people. Why do so many good things happen? We never think that, right? We are always on the good side of the equation. Man, God, I've been doing all this for you, and now this? You're not holding up your end of the bargain, God. And it's so tempting to let that kind of thinking sneak in, even as we do the right things for the wrong reasons. I was talking with my friend who lives out of state about this. Great friend, awesome guy, loves the Lord. And, the, and he was telling me um, about before he got married, to him, purity was really, really important, just as it is to God. And he said that he had told himself, I am going to stay pure. I'm going to save myself for marriage. I'm going to make all these right choices. I'm going to do all of these things. And he did. But something terrible happened. A few years later, he and his wife, things didn't go well. And their marriage fell apart. And as he got a divorce, he said, I was angry with God. I was angry. I said, God, I did all this for you. How could you not do this for me? And you see, he had done the right things, but he had done them for the wrong reasons. And that thinking can creep into all of us, right? All of us can experience that, where we say, God, I want to do the things that you call me to do. But we have to check our hearts and go, God, why exactly am I doing this? Am I doing this out of love for God or to earn something from God? Because when we do this because God owes us something, who's the one who's really in charge? Are, is God in charge or are we in charge in this equation? And that brings us to the last thing here, the reward of sacrifice. So you can go to the next slide. There at the end it says, and Abel, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. So what is our reward for living a life of sacrifice like Abel? For saying, God, you are my everything. I give all of this to you, a sacrifice that's commended by the Lord. What does it say? It says, and though, through faith, he died. I'm gonna be honest, that's not what I was looking for, right? When you read the Bible, you go, is there a page missing here, right? Like, though, through his faith, he died. That is not the happy ending I wanted. And spoiler alert, as you read through the rest of Hebrews 11, that happens again and again and again. Why? Because the Bible is not a car commercial. The Bible's honest with us, right? The scripture is extremely clear. If you live a life of service to God, if you live a life following God, what can we expect? We can expect a relationship with God. We can expect the joy of knowing God. Can we expect that things are gonna all turn out right? No, no, we can't. And the Bible is brutally honest with us about this. And this reminds, it makes me think of Robert Thomas, one of the first missionaries to Korea. Now, you might know South Korea as one of the largest missionary sending nations in the world. South Korea sends more missionaries per capita than anywhere else in the world. There are tons of believers, but that's not always been the case. Back in 1866, Korea was ruled by an emperor who wanted to snuff out all forms of Christianity. And in 1866, he rounded up over 8,000 Christians and had them killed. And there were very, very few Christians in all of South Korea. But there was this man named Robert Thomas. Robert Thomas was a missionary in China, and he felt God calling him to go to Korea to share the gospel. 
So out of obedience, he, he went to Korea, but he couldn't get in. And he went again, and he couldn't get in. And finally, on his third try, the boat landed. And he had his crate of Bibles translated into Korean. And as they, as they landed on the shore, an angry mob met him. And they took his crate of Bibles and threw them into the sea. And Robert Thomas was killed for his faith in Christ. Is that the way his, his story was hoping to end up? Is that what faith in Christ looks like? It's not very encouraging, right? But what Robert Thomas didn't know is that by faith he offered this sacrifice is that that crate of Bibles was taken up out of the sea and one of the government officials said, these are made of really nice paper. I don't want to waste this paper. And so one of the government officials went to his house and he used that crate of Bibles as wallpaper all over his house. And people would come to his house to read the words of God written on the walls. And so it's not surprising that when the first church was planted there in Korea, it was planted right around the corner from that government official's house where people would go to read the Bible. And it's not a surprise that within a few years, there were hundreds of churches all over Pyongyang because of the sacrifice of that one person. And that now it's one of the largest missionary places, excuse me, missionary sending nations in the world. Because God uses all of these loose ends, all of these things that are lived out by faith and we don't know where they're gonna go. He somehow uses all of these to weave an incredible tapestry for the sake of his glory. Which brings a question to us. Is it enough for us to know God? If we don't get what we want out of life, but we get God, is that enough for us? It's a hard question, isn't it? Are, are we willing? Because I know all of us have those things in our lives that have not quite worked out the way that, that we want them to. But Abel, it says, Abel still speaks. Though he died, he still speaks. And what is Abel saying to us? What is Abel saying to us today? You know, I don't know about you, but when I hear about this kind of faith, part of me is inspired to live the way Abel did, but another part of me is crushed. Because I go, I'm not like this. Most days, I'm more like Cain than I am like Abel. I do the right things sometimes, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I do the right things, but I do them for the wrong reasons. Am I actually living out of trust in God or am I trusting in myself? I mean, all the time I mess this up. Which is why Hebrews tells us that the sacrifice was offered for us. Because there is a better sacrifice, but it's not Abel's sacrifice. It's the one that Jesus offered. We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. I have exciting news for you today. Guys, it's, it's done. The sacrifice has been offered. You don't have to say, but how can I do it just a little bit better next time? It's done. Jesus offered a sacrifice because he loves you. And if you, as you hear about sacrifice and you go, God, I, I fall short, he knows. He knows you could never do it. And that's why he loves you enough to die just to save you. So how do we respond? Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Because I don't know about you, but when I feel that guilt, when I feel that shame, it keeps me just a little bit away from God, right? God, I want to meet with you in prayer. And then we think about that way that we didn't live out our faith. 
We think about that time that we shrunk back. We think about that sin. And we go, I'll just stand back here in the shadows. And Hebrews says, no, let us draw near by faith. Let us come near to God who loves us. And let us do what? Let us live lives of sacrifice. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, it says in Romans 12, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Because Jesus gave everything for us, we can turn around and give everything to him out of loving response to our Savior. Not because we're so great, but because that's how great he is to us. So, so three quick ways to apply this. The one, by faith, repent. The sacrifice has been offered. Jesus is that better sacrifice. The whole book of Hebrews is written so that we see he is the sacrifice that we need, not ourselves. So when we see that in ourselves, fight that temptation to go, no, I wasn't that bad, like Cain. And instead, like Abel, go, God, I get it. I, you are the only sacrifice. You're offering the sacrifice for me. All that I can do is just give this back to you in praise and in worship. So by faith, repent. Ask God to forgive us when we try to impress others or impress God. Repent. Second, by faith, draw near. Trust comes from a relationship with God. We have to draw near to God. And how do we do that? By meeting with, him, meeting with him in his word and by meeting with him in prayer and asking some of these hard questions. And third, by faith, sacrifice. Respond by joyously offering everything to him because he gave everything for us. Because the way of sacrifice it is, is not the way of us being less and less. It's the way of us actually experiencing God. And it happens in a million little sacrifices. It's not always in the big things that you expect. It's in those little steps of obedience that God calls us to. And by one little step of faith, we trust God. And by another step of faith, we trust God. And by another step of faith, we trust God. And pretty soon, we're at a place that we never could have imagined. A place of trust that comes only from trusting him with a million little things. And that's what it looks like to live a life of sacrifice. Not us sacrificing to God, but recognizing what he's done for us. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I praise you. I thank you, God, for your goodness to us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I pray, God, that we would see the sacrifice that you have offered that you are the Holy One, that the better sacrifice is not the one that we offer to you, but that we agree with Abel when we say we are trusting that you offer that sacrifice for us. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would turn and offer our lives to you. I thank you that you love us and that you invite us to have that relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.